Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. that's gusto.com slash being boss. Kathleen here. And before we jump into today's episode, I have a quick favor to ask of you. One of our big boss goals is to get to the top of the iTunes podcast business chart, and we need your help. So please pause for a moment to subscribe on iTunes, even if it isn't where you listen to our podcast, because it really helps us out. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a rating and review. Okay, let's jump into the show. Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. Today, we're talking about social media and using Pinterest for your brand with Natalie Hughes. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. All right, I want to pause the show for a second. I have a confession to make. I used to do this thing I called intuitive banking, where I would just kind of feel how much money I had to spend and spend accordingly. Well, you can probably guess how that went. And I've noticed that a lot of creative entrepreneurs do this in their business. They don't have a clear look at their numbers or the financial health of their business, and it leaves them freaking out about money. So our number one recommendation is always to look at your numbers. And I can't think of a better way to do this than to set up FreshBooks cloud accounting for your business. In FreshBooks, you'll be able to keep track of all of your expenses, so all the money going out, and you'll be able to keep track of all the money coming in by invoicing clients and getting paid lightning fast all through FreshBooks. It's super easy. You can pull reports, profit and loss statements. You can see exactly where you are by logging into the dashboard any given day. Try it for free by going to www.freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, back to our show. Natalie Hughes is a fashion journalist and the founder of The Fashion Digital, a fashion social media agency based in London. Previously, she worked as Netta Porter's social media editor, where she launched the brand on Pinterest and grew the site's social media presence exponentially. She is also a power pinner with 600,000 followers on Pinterest. Natalie, it's so great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, tell us where you started and where, well, first tell us where you're at right now. Like, what do you do now and how did you get there? Yeah, sure. So um, I live in London and I run a social media agency for fashion brands. Um, So how did I get to this point? Well, I started out doing, well, I started out on the journalistic side. So writing um, features, fashion features for various magazines. 
And then I kind of crossed over to social media at Net-A-Porte. It was about 10 years in, so it was a really exciting time. It was actually just me doing social media. So now they've got a team of about 10, um, but just me, myself and I. Um, So I was there for two years and then left five years ago to go freelance and basically started doing what I do now with the agency, but just as a one-man band. So um, yeah, after five years, after five years of consulting for um, luxury brands and writing for magazines, I sort of decided that I couldn't do it by myself anymore and that I was going to actually make this legitimate and form an agency, which is what I did. So that's where we are now. Wow. So I think it's so funny that do you guys remember how probably whenever you were just one person at Netta Porter and that like social media seemed like this throwaway thing, like something that someone else could do in their spare time yes, at their completely. job. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like <laughs> yeah. I remember um, at my agency, even whenever I was still there which was now like, what, seven, eight years ago, some of our graphic designers on our team were doing social media on the side in-house. And uh, now it's this kind of thing that requires a team of a lot of people. Yeah, it's crazy. I think some brands, someone was telling me the other day, some brands now have a Snapchat editor, a Facebook editor, a Pinterest editor. (laughs) So there's not even one person doing multiple platforms. They're actually specialists. So it's quite, it's great for me because I think at that, you know, in 2000 and when was it? 2009, um, people sort of weren't really taking it seriously. And, you know, it was very much, yeah, we can get an intern in, they'll do it, it'll be fine. So it's nice now. I think there are lots of uh, people like me who have kind of, I suppose, spent years, uh, you know, doing it for the ground up and now are kind of legitimate social media strategists um, with 10 years experience, which is kind of bizarre now. Right, and it's like 10 years, that's like all 10 years of social media. It's not like, you know, social media is this like decade old, or not a decade, but like century old even like process where you've just been in it for the last 10 years. You've been in it since social media started, which is kind of a really cool place to be. Yeah, definitely. I sort of I started my social media journey on Live Journal back in the day. So I was real And it's weird actually I I'm still I've sort of met a lot of those live journalists IRL <laughs> um in the last five years or something. Um in fact one of them now works at the YouTube talent agency that look after all the YouTubers YouTubers. So yeah, it's crazy to think how we've all kind of grown from you know, being in our bedrooms on live journal. <laughs> right? To now like companies live and die by social media. It's become such a huge yeah. part of how it is that you share yourself and how it is that you sell yourself. And not just those of us who are like online business owners, but businesses that are wholly offline are definitely tapping into social media to gain clout and have conversations and like grow their presence beyond just billboards and magazine ads definitely definitely it's so so important and when I think about brands that you know like Glossier who who built an audience solely on social media before they even launched a product I mean it was months before and just built that buzz I think it's so amazing how you can kind of have a captive audience before you even launch a product um that's what I love Agreed. All right. So let's talk a little bit. I want to get into your favorite social media platform and how you're using it. But before that, I want to talk about just the importance of social media in general. So for our listeners, I think that a lot of people sometimes feel like, oh, social media, like it's this necessary evil 
we love social media on our side of things, but what would you say to someone who is intimidated by social media or is overwhelmed by it or feels like they need to be doing all the things? Like what is some advice that you might give that person? Okay, well, I mean, obviously, I'd say get a get a <laughs> get an expert to help you. <laughs> but you know, if your budget doesn't allow for that, I'd say set out a calendar as you would with you know your kind of marketing strategy, as you would if you were you know if you're writing a blog alongside um, your business. Set out a calendar, you know, two months, even I mean, ideally twelve months in advance, and start plugging in posts to it because I think it's so daunting getting up and thinking oh, what do I post on Facebook today? What what shall I Instagram? There needs to be some planning. And I think that's what I pride myself on um, with the Fashion Digital, my agency. We have calendars for clients months in advance. So there's never any scary moments where we don't know what to post. And of course, there's the, you know, there are those spontaneous moments that you just want to share immediately as they happen. But I think having a calendar has definitely made me feel kind of more organized and less panicky about about doing social media for my own business. So I'd say set up a calendar. And I think even if you don't have budget to have someone managing your channels month by month, I think it's always worth just having coffee with a social media strategist or, you know, having them for a day just to audit your channels and give you takeaway, you know, really actionable tips as to how you can really you know, grow your social media followings, create beautiful content. Um, I think it is worth talking to someone if, if you can muster up a budget from even a day. Yeah, I totally ditto the the calendar. One of the things that we hear most often from whether it's our clubhouse members or just people who are sending us emails, like the struggles that are most real for creative entrepreneurs is time management and usually because of social media. And so whenever you can get really proactive about your social media as opposed to reactive and waking up one day and trying to figure out what it is you're going to post, if you have everything just sort of planned out there, then there's no thinking about it. You just sort of do it. And that will snowball into so much more productivity and owning your time back um, that you're not using scrolling through Facebook and trying to figure out what to post or whatever it may be. Love having a good, solid social media calendar. Yes. <laughs> so worth it. We quite often just use Google Docs and that works really, really well for us. But we also love Instagram. We love Planoly. Um, I don't know if you use that for your Instagram. We've heard of that. Oh, I love it. It's, <laughs> it's, it just, it's very pretty looking, unlike a lot of scheduling tools. Um, and you can, I mean, it's the same as other Instagram scheduling tools in that you get a push notification and you can't just let it sort of work for you. Um, but it's a lot more intuitive. So I definitely recommend Planoly. That's something that's really kind of changed, changed our lives. <laughs> Love it. What are some of your favorite social media platforms right now? Like personal favorites and then maybe some industry favorites or some hidden gems or some social media platforms that we should absolutely not be taking for granted. Okay, so my number one, and what I guess what I'm going to talk about with you guys today is Pinterest. And um, just, just personally, I love that platform. Um, it's the only social media platform where, as a kind of publisher, I'm, I make money. Um, and it's just somewhere that I can really lose myself, completely be inspired. And there are ads there, but they just feel really cohesive and organic. Whereas like, sometimes, you know, when you're on Facebook you know, you're scrolling through your feed and you're just bombarded with adverts. So I love going to Pinterest for somewhere that just feels really inspirational. Um, And also it converts really well. 
really well. So um, yeah, I love Pinterest um, to make money. I love Pinterest to kind of for inspiration. Um, I also am obsessed with YouTube <laughs> and have watched several of the Being Boss. Um, you know, when you when you would upload the some of the podcasts onto YouTube, just sit there and <laughs> have already listened to them and watch them again on YouTube. I just love YouTube. Um, my partner thinks it's really voyeuristic when I watch Get Ready With Me. <laughs> but there's just something really addictive about kind of connecting with like-minded women um, just going about their day-to-day lives. So on a personal level, I just love kind of diving into the world of YouTube. For clients, I'd say Instagram is the number one platform. I think that most of the designers I work with, I think because they're such visual people, Instagram is their focus. And that's where they kind of want to um, build a presence and grow their followings. Um, Also, I suppose Instagram is really a shop front at this point. So um, when someone searches your brand or business on Google, they're actually, I think, most likely to go to Instagram before they even go to your website. And I think that a lot of the designers I work with kind of, you know, they know that and they want to, they want to have their feet looking, you know, beautiful. So I'd say for my clients, I think Instagram is, is the one. I'm also quite enjoying um, Polaroid Swing at the moment, which is kind of a, you can create a moving photograph or sort of cinemagraph style media. Um, And that's quite cool for then repurposing on Instagram. I know that Polaroid Swing is meant to be its own social media network and you're meant to kind of build a community there on the platform but I quite like downloading the little video and putting it on Instagram for something a bit extra very cool I just had to google that really quickly because I had never <laughs> heard of that before so I have that pulled up I love that I totally have to check that one out and I love what you just said about people visiting Instagram before they're visiting mm. website pages I think that is nuts But I also totally identify with that. If I'm Googling something and someone has their Instagram feed, that's probably what I'm going to check out because visually I can get such a great sense of their brand from Instagram. I just never thought about that. And what I think is super interesting is YouTube and Pinterest. So I'm really into YouTube. Pinterest is kind of one of those things I started to get into a few years ago and then kind of just fell off the wagon and almost don't even think of it as a social media platform that I could leverage. So I want to talk about interest because I, or sorry, I want to talk about Pinterest because I feel like a few years ago whenever it launched, in fact, Emily, were you at the Alt Summit that the Pinterest yeah that Ben Silverman ben. was that he was yes. fantastic so everyone fell in love with him and I know that he was really trying to capture us as bloggers at the time to really utilize Pinterest almost as a place to create mood boards it felt like yeah and I remember at the time it was also not cool to pin your own content to Pinterest and now I feel like the game has really changed and it has not only supplemented blogging but has almost replaced blogging for a lot of those um you know blogs that really focus on curating good finds Now, even now, I feel like the direction has shifted to not only replace blogging, but to become a search engine of itself. So even just yesterday, (laughs) I was looking at wanting to buy an Instant Pot. And so I got on Pinterest and started looking up Instant Pot recipes. So my question for you, Natalie, is how would you even define Pinterest as a platform? Because it's not quite social media. It's not quite search engine. Like, how would you define it? Um. 
I think for me, the the appeal of Pinterest in the beginning, and I think even now, is that sort of scrapboard feel. And before Pinterest, I was just saving inspirational images from MySpace, like outfits I liked, you know, on someone's MySpace page or live journal or whatever, just on, you know, folders on my computer, which was actually really kind of impractical because when you got a new computer, you, you know, if you didn't transfer it over, there was no way of it kind of existing, um, you know, on a kind of separate platform. So I love Pinterest for inspiration and I, st- I still love it for that. But yeah, as you said, it's such a great search engine. And uh, yeah, so often when I'm trying to create a mood board for a client, which actually I'm not putting publicly on Pinterest, I'll start with a private Pinterest board and curate content from around Pinterest rather than Googling um, kind of that mood or uh, that topic. So for me, and I think for business owners in general, it's just a great place to actually create private boards um, that ultimately either you share directly with clients or you transfer them over to a PowerPoint presentation and kind of, or create a project from it, or maybe the client doesn't even doesn't even see it, but it begins with a Pinterest board for me. Um, and I know lots of um, creators have definitely started out with Pinterest boards. So a friend of mine who's a blogger, she's called Disney Roller Girl, a British blogger. She recently um, wrote a book all about kind of androgynous style and kind of gentlewoman style. And it all started with a Pinterest board. And in fact, her publisher saw that. And that's kind of how that began. Um, and equally, uh, Stranger Things apparently began with a Pinterest board. No way! <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's just a place of germination where projects kind of spring from for me. Um, but then again, I also think it's a platform that really converts for brands or if you're selling a product. So actually people who um, who use Pinterest are kind of much higher spenders than those that use other social media platforms. And, um, oh, I had a nice little stat here that Shopify users that were coming via Pinterest um, spent double um, compared to those that were coming via Facebook. So it's just, um, yeah, those, those customers are there and they've got the money to spend. Um, so certainly I think if you're trying to sell a product, for me... I actually, as you said, completely replaced my blog with Pinterest. I used to blog back in the day and now um, just earn commission via Pinterest alone. Um, so I definitely think it, I think ideally you'd, you'd use it to supplement your blog or to supplement your brand. But for me, I don't really have time to blog anymore. So um, I just use that instead. So yeah. It's an interesting one. (laughs) Okay, I feel like I need a full landscape of like a month in the life of your Pinterest account. (laughs) So are you, how many boards do you have? What kinds of things are you pinning? How are you actually making money on it? But you're also using it as a tool for clients. Yeah. I'm sure you're also pinning for clients. So like just give us a broad landscape of what that looks like yes sure so there's a lot of pins in a month (laughs) I pin about 50 pins a day on my personal account and then for clients about 30 pins a day and at any given time we're not all of our clients um kind of choose Pinterest as part of their social media package with us but let's say five of them do so there's a lot of pinning going on in at the fashion digital's office (laughs) and are Um, you like are you are you curating pins are you are you pinning original content are you creating you know pinning from their websites like how are those pins actually happening so it's a real mixture of original content I'd say 
I'd say 20% original content when it comes to brands and 80% um, other people's content. Um, I definitely feel as though, certainly in my feed, when I see brands just kind of pinning product upon product and it just feels very salesy, I immediately unfollow that board. Sometimes in some cases unfollow the brands completely. So um, I definitely think it's it's about, it's still about pinning other people's content, maybe with 20% of kind of, of your own stuff. For me, um, on my personal Pinterest page, I pin probably 50% product, um, 50% just inspirational imagery. Um, so that's, I, I use two affiliate networks. I use reward style and shop style. Um, ShopStyle has actually worked better for me on Pinterest just because it's commission per click as opposed to to sale. And actually I find that I get a lot of clicks via Pinterest because I have a large following there, but, um, maybe they don't always convert. So for me, that's a, an affiliate network that works really, really well. Um, so essentially, yeah, when someone buys it, I get a cut of, I get a cut of the final sale. Um, but yeah, I'd say on a day-to-day basis, I'm probably pinning 25 pins that are just pure product pins with affiliate links in the back and then um yeah 50% just inspirational imagery um for brands I kind of always say that it's totally worth considering joining an affiliate network on the brand side just because that would definitely incentivize me to talk about brands on Pinterest if that makes sense for sure I need to wrap my head around that I've never thought about affiliating via Pinterest ending that I think it makes a lot of sense for people who might have at one point been a fashion blogger or interested in fashion blogging now but Mm. have a hard time nailing down sponsors or advertisers or even getting the traffic to their website to support Mm. affiliate linking and so if people are already on Pinterest looking for outfit inspiration I'm curious about the disclosure this kind of more of like the Mm. nitty gritty side of things do you have to disclose in the actual pin that you that it's an affiliate link or how does that work? Yeah, so Pinterest asks you in the kind of etiquette and the guidelines of which there are quite a few. <laughs> um, they ask you to disclose with, you know, hashtag ad um, or something to that effect if you are um, pinning something that's monetized. Um, they actually definitely encourage their kind of top pinners to do that um they do something they they promote boards um so around certain seasons so uh, during the holiday season they had various um boards that they kind of uh would they put out a topic to the top pinners um so we have a kind of message board that's private um we'd go to that uh look at the topics that they were kind of presenting for the holiday season, pick one and create a board that spoke to that. So it might be gifts for, I'd actually did gift, gifts for, oh, sorry, <laughs> gifts for girl bosses, which is quite, quite apt here. <laughs> um, so the more niche, the better. And uh, they encouraged me to use affiliate uh, links kind of behind my pins. But it was very much a kind of shopping board. And I made it very obvious that it was um, from the get go. So it had shopping in the board title, the board description, and each of the pins would say shop as opposed to kind of inspiration if it was uh, an affiliated pin. So it was very kind of, um, it was very much disclosed. I will say though that, a few years ago, Pinterest actually banned affiliate links. Um, so this is something that they've kind of, I think they've, you know, sort of mulled over over the years. 
And certainly for at least a year, you weren't allowed affiliate pins, affiliate links behind your pins. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. I feel so torn on affiliates. Like I go Mm. back and forth, not just, um, I don't mind buying through an affiliate link. And in fact, I always like to support people who, if that's how they're being compensated to click through on their links. But as a brand who has things to sell, sometimes I feel hesitant on offering affiliate programs because sometimes I'm worried that it might um, create a little bit of distrust. You know, I I want Mm. people to promote my things because they genuinely like it. I think that might also be the difference between running a service-based industry versus a product-based one. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? And Natalie, I'm curious to hear kind of what you think about that in general, even maybe for some of the brands that you represent. Yeah, well, I mean, for the brands I represent, I think when it comes to sort of the multi-brand retailers, so with Nesporte and I do a lot of work with matchesfashion.com, I think it makes sense to join an affiliate scheme just so that you have the edge over other retailers and offering a bit more commission um, and incentivizing those pinners or Instagrammers with kind of high followings. For a service-based business, I take a different tact and something that I'm kind of, I think a lot of people don't really realize are um, sort of massive on Pinterest are infographics. In fact, when you, you know you end up searching a marketing term, so many amazing infographics kind of pop up. And I think that that's a way in which you can direct traffic to kind of your um, webinar hub or, you know, the website, your kind of hosting website where you then offer lots of kind of services from. And I suppose then you're kind of bypassing the whole affiliate thing. I think it's difficult with service-based businesses for sure. I think um, I would say that I'm only kind of concerned with affiliates when it comes to my the kind of the brands that offer products that I look after. And I think that makes sense for the individual because then they basically become the retailer. And I think this day and age with the kind of creative entrepreneur economy we've created, it makes sense to understand that individuals can have as much of an effect on your sales as a storefront in a mall. Yeah, exactly. It is a similar concept of someone who's owning a brick and mortar store who's taking a cut of the products they're selling that are made by someone else. It's just your storefront is a Pinterest board as opposed to a traditional storefront. So that's a funny, I like putting it that way because it does make me feel better about it because I do too go back and forth between like feeling a little squeamish about affiliates and on the other hand thinking they're perfectly amazing and awesome. Um, So apart from affiliates, how else can people use Pinterest for their business and maybe not directly monetizing, but also maybe, but what are some of the best ways that you've seen brands and businesses using Pinterest to raise their revenue? Yeah, sure. So um, you can use, I mean, obviously every social network has a kind of, you know, an ad scheme that's how they make money. But Pinterest's ad scheme actually works really, really well and converts really well. So they have something called promoted pins, which you only have access to if you convert to a business profile. So I'd say first off, um, if you're a brand or even an individual um, and you want to kind of drive traffic to, say, the kind of services that you're offering, convert your profile to a business account um, and it's really easy. It's just a little bit of metadata in the back end of your website 
Um, and then you have access to these promoted pins. So you can use promoted pins and you don't require massive budget. It's pretty affordable depending on kind of how much reach you want. Um, you can use them to promote products, promote places if you're a bricks and mortar store, um, even promote recipes if you're a recipe blogger. Um, you can target um, kind of really nicely. Pinterest has a really, really uh, good kind of native analytics suite that I quite enjoy perusing. Um, and what I, a brand I've seen use it really, really well is made.com. So they actually created um kind of beautiful interior shots sort of lifestyle shots which actually work better than product shots on pinterest it's worth mentioning and then they overlaid text on top of that so obviously it's not searchable because it's just part of the image that you're pinning but it just kind of adds a bit of um kind of it adds a call to action it adds something extra to the to the image um i've even seen brands like tesco i don't know you guys don't have tesco in the us right no, no. <laughs> like a massive supermarket chain here in the UK and um, their branding is red and really bold and brash and you know it's like Walmart or something um, but they actually created these pins again they were promoting home products or I think it was mother, like Mother's Day products but it was all kind of candles and stuff and they then overlaid their logo in white so they actually changed their logo um, for the first time ever I think just for Pinterest so I think there's lots of fun things you can do um, as a brand with promoted pins and then by combining a beautiful image and text. And you can also do, you can also use space really cleverly. So because Pinterest is um, kind of better suited to vertical pins and long pins, um, if you create a super long pin, it's then taking up more real estate as you scroll down the page. So you can do some really fun things when it comes to design as well. Right. I feel like forever those super, uh, I guess, vertical images have been mostly frowned upon in the online space because like in a blog post, a vertical image takes up so much space. And then mm. Instagram came around and it was all about the square. And finally, Pinterest is bringing back the vertical image. And that's always made me really happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And that really, you know, drove, we don't have a huge Pinterest strategy over here at Being Boss, but whenever we were developing our website and our show notes, that was one of the things that we did was we created our images based on Pinterest and thinking about people pinning it. And so we've got our suite of images that we'll post to Instagram, which will be formatted in a square. And then we've got our Pinterest ones. So it's definitely something to consider when you are creating content for sure from your website. Definitely. In fact, Pinterest, um, they for a while trialed board covers that were landscape um, which made everyone really upset because all of all of the images were, um, you know, better portrait in the feeds. Yet sun- suddenly the um, the board covers are landscape, so that caused a bit of controversy, and they quickly switched it back. Thankfully, <laughs> I bet that is totally the kind of thing that would annoy the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, completely cropped um, people's heads off and things. So yeah. <laughs> So what are some other like rules or best practices or even Pinterest hacks that we can use to better leverage the platform? Sure. So although captions now aren't that visible when you scroll through the feeds, they're still really searchable. So as you said, Kathleen, when you're searching um, for, you know, inspirational images or something for a project you're working on, um, it's always good to kind of plug in those keywords to your captions in a nice organic way. Um, I think 
Pinterest has always been against um, spammy content. So it's all about writing a caption that's SEO friendly and kind of like native search friendly, but without it being too kind of over the top. Um, Also, I'm all about evergreen content on Pinterest. So yes, you've got holiday specific content. And I think that's, that's valuable too. But the beauty of Pinterest versus Instagram versus Facebook is that um, images um, and pins, they stay around for as long as people are interested in them. And they'll pop up at the top of your newsfeed maybe two years later. In fact, I know several bloggers whose content, whose blog post from two years ago is still being, and it was still receiving a ton of traffic because of Pinterest. So I think evergreen content is key. I also use a tool called Viral Tag, which is not the prettiest tool. It's not... Um, I haven't really found a kind of good alternative, but you can actually um, schedule out evergreen content. So it kind of keeps pinning content over, you know, every couple of weeks over a period of time. So that evergreen content would be quite useful to kind of plug in there. Love that. I'm thinking about that, like whenever earlier, whenever you were talking about using Pinterest to get people to your webinar, that felt very timely, but I could see switching it to use it to get people into an opt-in and then getting them on for building your list, maybe. Exactly, exactly. I mean, maybe it could be a great infographic that kind of hooks people's attention that way, um, that is a bit more evergreen. So just kind of tips for bosses um, that don't, that, you know, aren't timely and aren't sort of, yeah, aren't time specific or season specific. What about growing your following on Pinterest? What's the best way to start getting people to follow your boards and to get more pins and repins? How does all that work? Well, for me at the beginning, I... I sort of a bit of a cringeworthy term, but I consider myself an early adopter when it comes to Pinterest. And that's how I built my following. So it was just um, pinning consistently and prolifically. So as I said, I mean, now I pin about 50 pins a day. At the time, I was probably pinning a lot more. I was obsessively pinning. In fact, people now the algorithm is such that you you know, people's pins don't come up chronologically, but at the time it was. So a lot of friends, blogger friends were like, Natalie, slow down. This is this has become an obsession of yours. But it was really that obsessive pinning which I think um generated a kind of an audience. I'd say that if you can get promoted by Pinterest, that was invaluable for me. And so that meant that when people joined Pinterest and they said they were interested in fashion, let's say my Pinterest boards popped up and they automatically followed me. So that was really invaluable, I think, in kind of getting a large following. But otherwise, I think it's about pinning beautiful content and following um, specific people whose content you like. So as you would do on any other platform. And then I think also just teaming up with other pinners, maybe at the same level as you or like-minded brands and kind of building upon each other's followings and kind of capitalizing on their followings. Um, another way, I guess, is working with power pinners, I suppose, like myself. So um, I work with a lot of brands where I'll create a board dedicated to that brand or dedicated kind of to that business or we'll co-curate a board together. Um, and that's a really nice way of building your following um, and you know, them getting some of your followers too. So I'd say team up with people. That's that's the best way. Just to like give a give a note about just being a prolific follower. 
David has this neighbor, like this childhood neighbor, whose mom I found on Pinterest a couple of years ago. And the woman has like 70,000 Pinterest followers. And she's just one of those amazing women who loves like traveling and throwing cute parties. And like just is one of those like really amazing stay-at-home moms that just like does gingerbread houses every year sort of thing. And the woman is owning Pinterest right now. And it's amazing. But she's just, she's always on it she's always pinning and I whenever I found her on Pinterest I was blown away completely blown away because she is she's ruling it it's amazing (laughs) yeah I think that's what's so nice with Pinterest actually sometimes I go to kind of Pinterest meetups and a lot of people that aren't bloggers they're not people who created content before Pinterest They're, they're artists or they're their chefs or and they just looked to Pinterest for a kind of inspiration source and managed to get a large following because people liked the content they were pinning and I think that no other platform really is quite as kind of is quite like that really yeah I mean I kind of think that a lot of platforms are like that that you get the most engagement in general from Instagram to Pinterest to your blog posts to your podcasts by really focusing on the content first and just creating or sharing really good, really genuine, really beautiful content. And if you can start there, that things will start to unfold and then also the consistency factor. So I think that these are the things that are rising to the top for me is that you have to be consistent and it has to look good. That's true, actually. That's true. Um, Actually, uh, I was speaking on a panel the other day and we were talking about the kind of actually specifically Instagram's algorithm and how you beat the algorithm. And um, I was talking to a YouTuber with a huge following on Instagram and every other uh, social media channel. And she was saying exactly that, that good content bubbles to the top. And that's kind of the beauty of the algorithm. Um, that really, if you're creating really slick content, people are going to notice it and want to follow. I love that. That's so, that's smart. Um, Kathleen, do you have any more questions about Pinterest? All, I have all the questions about Pinterest, <laughs> but we can move on. Okay, because I want to talk about some other things really quickly. And if we need to come back to Pinterest, that's fine. So I always love picking the brains of people who do social media for a living. And like we were saying earlier, like you've been in it since the beginning, just only about 10 years or so, and you've seen things move so swiftly. And I find that people in social media especially tend to have this ability to look forward in a way that like blows my mind. So... What do you see coming? Like, what are the trends that maybe we haven't really tapped into yet that you see on the horizon? Where are things going? Like, do you have any fun insights as to what the future of social media will look like? Well, um, I was I was sort of looking up at all the trends at South by Southwest this year. Sadly, I couldn't go. And one of the trends which just seemed just to kind of stand out to me was actually smart fabrics and sort of actually kind of social media actually sort of almost being intrinsic in what you're even wearing which was really fascinating so I think there's a google jacket that's going to come out where it sort of measures different kind of because I you know I have a Fitbit you know that monitors my you know my heartbeat and all of that stuff but actually just to kind of put on a piece of clothing that is smart there's also something um, I was looking at recently as smart bandages that I think are going to be trialed next year 
um, which tells the doctor, you know, how quickly a wound is healing. And actually, there's something really kind of social about that too. I mean, maybe not the bandages, but if you're wearing smart clothing, maybe there's a community. I'm just imagining my Facebook feed right now and someone's had surgery and I get an update saying that my wound is 40% healed. And like, can you give that a thumbs up or not? That's totally going to happen. I would like to have a smart tampon that lets everyone know. Stay what away. my cycle is like and whether or not they should send chocolate. <laughs> but I, I suppose um, I suppose what I'm interested in is social media that's a bit more kind of um, instinctive. It doesn't feel like you're having to kind of um, create content or put a message out there. Equally, I'm really I'm still really fascinated with live um, video. I think um, with, this is kind of only just the beginning. And specifically, kind of three D live, which I think people still haven't quite mastered, but I think in the next couple of years, hopefully, will be useful in some way. Right now, I'm not sure whether it really is. Um, but yeah, there's also loads of apps that I've kind of, you know, fallen in love with, and then kind of fallen out of love with. I can't remember the name of it now, which isn't really helpful. But there was one app that um, was kind of really buzzy last year at South by Southwest, and it was just where you recorded um, sound bites. And I love podcasts, so I thought, hey, this might be useful. I can actually, instead of having to, you know, set up my own podcast, which I'd still love to do, I can just, you know, record sound bites on my phone, and then people partake in the conversation that way. But I think it was it was all too kind of bitty to consume on a daily basis. Um, there's something lovely about sitting down on my daily commute, tuning into being boss, listening to a full, you know, um, kind of full podcast and really consuming media that way. So I wonder whether there's something in that, maybe another app will pop up that just speaks more to me. I think it's really cool too, just thinking about social media being more integrated into the tools that we use, the way we search for content, and then the way that we create content. And I'm starting to see and the clothes that we wear, and the clothes that we wear. (laughs) I'm just starting to see more of a holistic integration where it's not so okay. Social media is this afterthought that it can just be this thing that's a part of how we're moving through our businesses. Yes, exactly. I'm also curious, have you seen any sort of backlash against social media? Emily and I have been talking about even since the election this year, um, and I don't know like what Brexit was like for you guys over there, but it's just created this thing where we don't even want to get on Facebook. And I'm curious um, to hear your thoughts on the... The I feel like there's a good trend happening in more offline events coming up and bubbling up yeah. and people are starting to realize like, okay, we did the social media thing, even just in our personal lives. I'm not even talking about business here. Let's get some FaceTime back, face-to-face IRL time happening. Yeah, So definitely. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a backlash and I think we realize that many of us are in echo chambers, certainly I am, and post-Brexit realized I was completely because we were all preaching to the choir. We were all kind of really sad, um, really angry, and just, you know, voicing our opinions on Facebook. But who was who was reading it? I suppose people who already had those opinions. Um, so I think also it's kind of, it's definitely opened my mind up to, you know, when I see something on Facebook um, that I don't particularly like, maybe a political view, um, rather than kind of just 
you know, deleting that person immediately, maybe to kind of keep them there so that I can actually see another point of view and um, maybe change their opinion. Um, so certainly when it comes to politics, I think l- so many people have realised they're, they're in echo chambers and maybe just like open their ears up to kind of other voices and maybe, you know, have a kind of open conversation. But yeah, it's interesting that um, even the kind of IRL events, like the women's marches, there was so much backlash on taking photos of yourself with a placard. And I see that. I think um, sometimes, yeah, action speaks louder than words or action speaks louder than social. So I think there's a time and a place for social personally. Um, but I definitely, I've I've had a lot of um, friends that have completely deleted social media and even written features about it and um, really kind of made a statement against social. But I just think that whether you're like me, you know, social media is your job. Obviously, there's no way I can delete <laughs> delete all channels. Um, or if you're just, yeah, an entrepreneur, you need social media. If you're a journalist, you need social media. You need to be shouting about your your features, your work. So I think when it comes to career, it's all important. Um, and personal branding, it's all important to be present on those channels. Sadly, we can't go back to those days, <laughs> those, those blissful days of pre-social media. And I think that's where the challenge lies because for Emily and I, myself, we, we might crave these offline vibes that are mm. going down. So the challenge that we are constantly bringing to being boss and to our brand is how do we blend the offline events and face-to-face time that we're getting with the our listeners and with people who are joining in on the conversation into the online sphere. And I think that's where there's really an opportunity for innovation because social isn't going anywhere. The internet is not going anywhere. Even my three-year-old knows how to navigate YouTube kids. We were wow. asking him just yesterday <laughs> what his favorite app is and he said YouTube kids. <gasps> That's amazing. And it blew my mind. And it kind of scared, I'll admit that it scared me a little. Like, wow, maybe I need to get him some more coloring books and some blocks. <laughs> but then I think this is the world that we're moving into. Yeah, completely. And so we need to just shape it into what it is that we want it to be versus maybe deleting it off of our phones altogether. Yeah, exactly. I think actually a lot of young people, um, We one of the brands we look after is a youth brand. And um, they seem to be a little bit more kind of real about how they portray themselves via social media. So actually, they'll Instagram a picture of themselves saying, actually, I don't feel great today. Um, I'm, you know, feeling really anxious. Whereas I think that certainly when the kind of internet began, and I was first maybe establishing a presence for myself, um, you know, when I was a teenager, my parents were like, no, do not put photos of yourself. Do not put your real name online. And we, I think we still sort of have that. So it's a very edited version of reality, whereas I think people are kind of trying to show what's happening really, um, which is interesting. I also think, um, you know, a really nice way of kind of showcasing something that's happening in real life um, via social is live. And there's a great, um, she was a TV presenter here, well, she still is a TV presenter here in the UK, um, with a kind of fashion angle called Trini Woodall. She's um, got a massive um, Facebook following because of Facebook Live. And just every morning, she'll um, do kind of basically a live getting ready with me. So she'll be wet hair, makeupless, and she's doing her moisturizing. And she's really eccentric and funny. And she, yeah, she sort of will answer questions there and then about products she's using and about... And that's really a really great way of, I think, integrating her followers into her real life. Um, maybe a bit TMI sometimes, but <laughs> but you you have to watch her. She's incredible. 
I love that. And I love what you were saying a minute ago, Kathleen, about, you know, social media is not going anywhere and all of that good stuff. Like, it definitely is a part of business these days. But I do love what, like, I guess current circumstances are doing in terms of wanting people to or people wanting to get offline with this idea that I feel like so many of us have created or have created businesses in this, like, social media bubble But what would we do if we couldn't rely on social media to run our businesses? I imagine a lot of us probably wouldn't have businesses. And that always gets me to this place of like really making your business real in the real world as opposed to just one that runs on the internet is thinking about how you can grow your presence beyond your social media platforms. That's a challenge I feel like I have been adopting more and more over the past couple of months. I've I've run offline businesses before. I've had brick and mortar stores. I've done that. I've done the online space for a long time as well. And there has to be this like really great marriage of the two so that you can have a very like fruitful, healthy business online with a vibrant social media presence. But if Instagram changes their algorithm, all of your marketing efforts aren't sunk for the next quarter. So there has to be a way for people to um, to find this really great traction online, but also exist offline as well. And I think I think that's I think I hope that's a trend that we see happen happening over the next couple of years where, you know, we've all been around in the online business sphere long enough that we've built these really great brands, but now let's take them out into the real world and see what they can do amongst the people. I think that's, yeah, uh, I that's where that you idea. get some really good opportunities to do real live events or, uh, or anything, all kinds of fun things. I think even like the resurgence of zines is an example of mm, social media so IRL because yes. The, the word social media does not just mean an app on your iPhone, right? The word social media could be really expansive and broad and start to include these offline happenings. That's so um, true. And offline media as well. It's just about being social. And I think now with the internet, we have more opportunities to be social. So Completely. So Actually, I just about have to show it. you this book that, that I got for, I think it was for Christmas. <laughs> oh nice oh, what so look I'm, I'm gonna make my own zine <laughs> right so you're holding up a it's, book and the title of it is it's it's um this book is called what you mean what's a zine and it's all about making zines so i'm going to make a zine once i've read this love that <laughs> um, emily I and think... i have been bouncing around the idea of zines oh, really? as well and okay so this is also a kind of a cool thing to think about whenever it comes to social is that like lowest minimum viable product, right? And so we all maybe want a really super slick YouTube show. I do. But the easiest next thing that I can do is hop on Facebook Live or hop on Instagram Live. Um, And that can kind of be that next point. Emily and I, of course, we want a Being Boss magazine. And I will throw that out into the universe. But maybe (laughs) the, the minimum point of entry might be a zine that's photocopied old school. Um. So I just think that there are some cool things that you can do and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It can be starting at that smallest point and just being really consistent about it, focusing on what it is that you actually want to say and doing it regularly. Yeah, so true. And I think what I love about, what I loved about zines kind of, you know, when I suppose when the internet sort of when when the internet was so kind of first an intrinsic part of my life was the fact that there was this community so I was 
taping like a one pound coin to, you know, to a letter and then sending it to someone over the other side of the world, just probably useless, useless to them. Receiving a zine back, there was something just so community building about that IRL um, and happening completely offline. And I think it really opened up my mind like at the time, you know, opened up my mind to Riot Girl, And then I was, you know, reading real books about Riot Girl, And so actually there was a lot of discussion that happened online then that led to um, a lot of kind of thoughts and, and meetings and friendships offline. So that's, I think that's what's lovely about zines. And I could almost see it working like Uber or Lyft where you have this app that sparks the thing and mm. then a car in real life is picking you up with a real driver and how many of us have had amazing conversations with Uber drivers yeah. right so I can kind of almost see that becoming the standard or the norm and even things like Instagram meetups and Pinterest meetups where things are happening offline I just get really excited about that as well yeah me too an idea that I just loved that a brand did a couple of I want to say maybe a year ago now was um, an Instagram uh, as currency shop so you'd go in and you could buy anything in that shop for um, an Instagram post or for an Instagram follow. And I just love that idea that you're actually kind of paying with social media. <laughs> yes. Oh, I do. I do have high hopes, <laughs> high hopes for what social media will do for the growth of businesses and causes and ideas. I mean, I really see, I see the internet as like the collective consciousness. Like that's where all of our thoughts live. Like we put them all on the internet and then we all read them and integrate them into our own like ideas. And it's kind of nuts. And I think social media is, is the pathways through which we like discuss so much and through through which all the information moves so quickly. And I think that as we are beginning to pull away a little bit and back into the real world, it's where we can almost make social media a more functional part of our lives as opposed to this thing that we dive into and don't come back out of for five hours or whatever it may be. Yeah. So I think, um, I don't know, I get really excited whenever I think about social media as opposed to getting really overwhelmed, which is what I used to feel. And I think that whether you are just like a regular user who's using it, sort of seeing it in that way is really helpful. But as a brand, I hope it like really opens your eyes to all the possibilities. And there are so many possibilities as to what you can do and what you can share and how you can promote the thing that you do. Because there are lots of platforms and I don't know, it's still just in baby stages like we're still just a decade into something that I imagine is going to be around for a terribly long time yeah for sure I've discovered so many brands via social media via Pinterest via Instagram just recently um she's an American designer so I wonder whether maybe she's already a household name and this is I'm just I'm late to the party but Jessie Ham does these sailor pants these high-waisted sailor pants so they're just it, she just does the same uh, style of pants although I think she does other items too but this this one item has just garnered like lots of traction on social media and then all the girls that wear these sailor pants say hashtag ham pants and they are obscenely expensive but suddenly I find myself needing a pair of ham pants so that I can instagram a picture of myself and hashtag it um and maybe yeah pre-social media I would never have even heard of that brand maybe unless I unless I went to you know the US or whatever so it's definitely is um yeah everything's more global now I certainly feel that way um you know this last Halloween I felt was 
a lot people celebrated it a lot more same with Valentine's Day in the UK than ever before and I see that year on year and I think that's partly due to social media and you know Pinterest kind of inspiring people and actually kind of the merriment that always took place in the US kind of now transferring over to the UK who yeah are kind of embracing it so I love that global aspect of social right and just you speaking of Pinterest going back to Pinterest specifically one Pinterest always makes me want to throw pretty parties like yes <laughs> more pretty parties more makeup on my face at Halloween like all the things yeah. for sure and I hadn't even really considered the global aspect of it that much so I love that that insight I love Halloween. I'm glad that you guys get to love it too. That's yeah. really feeling Halloween. <laughs> it's definitely becoming a, a bigger deal in the UK, which is nice. <laughs> so cool. Okay, Natalie, let's wrap this up. If you could give just one parting piece of advice to a boss who's wanting to embrace social a little bit more, what would it be? I'd say share content that inspires you because likely it will inspire your followers and your customers and just help build your personal brand. Amen. And finally, what makes you feel most boss in work and life? I feel most boss when I can make my own hours, when I can chill with my cat midweek or go to a gallery and actually work all weekends. I love the freedom that gives me and that makes me feel really boss. Mm, I agree with that. And where can our people, lady here? <laughs> and, and where can I, our people find more about you? So you can find all about my agency, The Fashion Digital, at thefashiondigital.com. Um, you can follow me at Natalie underscore Hughes on most social media channels, Instagram. And actually, you can follow me on Pinterest at Canned Fashion, which is a really good tip to impart in that when you choose your Pinterest handle, choose your name or your business name do not choose your blog name that will probably be defunct in you know six seven years time so yeah good to know thank you (laughs) so much natalie for joining us it has been so fun talking to you i feel so much more energized around social media i feel very hopeful for the future of social media (laughs) thanks so much for having me of course This episode of Being Boss was brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring us. And you guys can try it for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a two-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club clubhouse. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brain. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Bean counter, David Austin, with support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.